I was impatient to experience those benefits of sobriety that I was always reading about. And frankly, after the first few months, I wasn't sleeping better or looking better, and I was certainly not filled with joy. But I did the work. I kept going. I was determined to do this thing. And I would complain endlessly to my sober buddies, who empathised, but they helped me to stay on track. Now that I look back, I can see it took me a whole year to make the change. The first six months was really tough, and then it got easier. So we need to remember that recovery takes time, and it's never linear. Like any major life change, you have to go through stages. We swing from denial to anxiety to happiness, that's the pink cloud, to fear to guilt and gradually to acceptance. And we learn how to embrace our alcohol-free lives and love them. And through all those emotions, we have to remember that we're making an investment, an investment in the rest of our lives. We're changing our future. Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast. My name is Janet Goron. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we enable people to change their relationship with alcohol. We want them to have a peaceful relationship with alcohol. And then we want to help them to go on to thrive in their alcohol-free lives. Not just survive, but thrive. And over the last five years, we've helped hundreds of people to do just that. We created a tribe because we feel it's really, really hard to change your drinking alone. So at Tribe Sober, we're all about community. Each week, we feature a community voice just to give you a flavour of the awesomeness of our tribe. Here's a lady from one of our WhatsApp groups. Good morning. I'm 38 days now sober and i happy as ever I have ever been and I'm very keen going forward to day 40 and I'm never ever going to let that go. I'm very proud and I just can't believe that is already 40 days. That's my Friday win. So if you want to join our community and get a bit of support, just go to tribesober.com and click on Join Our Tribe. This week I've got no guest because I'm doing a solo episode. Today is a very special day for me because it's actually my sixth soberversary. Six whole alcohol-free years. Would you believe it? So it's obviously time for a bit of a share. Sharing our stories around the drinking is so powerful and that's how we help and inspire each other. So I've been reflecting on what I can share that would be useful for people who are working their way towards an alcohol-free life. 
I've talked endlessly about the benefits of ditching the drink, and believe me, there are so many. Now, hindsight is a wonderful thing, so to celebrate Soberversary number six, I've been reflecting on my six biggest challenges. What were the most difficult things for me, and how did I overcome them? If you haven't listened to the very first Tribe Sober podcast and you don't know my story, then here's a little summary just to set the scene before we look at those six challenges. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. In my 20s and 30s, I drank socially. I did go over the top sometimes, but more or less I confined it to social drinking. Then in my 40s and 50s, it became more drinking to self-medicate, to manage my stress, to manage my anxiety. When I eventually decided that I would have to change the way I was drinking because it was getting out of control, I struggled for a decade, for 10 whole years. I couldn't cope with the thought of not drinking at all, so I tried to control it. It was hopeless. I could manage to drink moderately for a couple of weeks and then would completely lose it and drink till I blacked out. And now I know all I was doing was the hardest bit, again and again. And each time I crashed, my self-esteem hit the floor. I just couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Why couldn't I drink like other people? And the result of all this stopping and starting, all this hopping on and off the wagon, was that my subconscious was thoroughly convinced that sobriety was a dark and miserable place, which in turn strengthened my limiting belief that I just couldn't have fun without alcohol. So the drinking continued, my health deteriorated, and the blackouts got worse. Until I finally hit rock bottom. And one day I decided to stop digging. I decided I was done with alcohol. I was tired, miserable and racked with anxiety. I just couldn't do this anymore. So on May the 23rd, 2015, I decided to stop drinking. All I had to do then was to work out how. Now how I did it is another story on that first podcast. But that decision changed everything. The fact that I was going to stop drinking completely, not cut down. I knew I had to quit, whatever it took. Even if sobriety did prove to be a miserable place to live, I was still going there. I just knew I'd come to the end of the road. I'd run out of choices. So here I am, six years sober and reflecting on how wrong I was. Wrong to imagine that sobriety would be a dark and miserable place. In fact, sobriety has turned out to be a calm, peaceful and happy place, full of joy, purpose and possibility. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. So let's move on to those six challenges. Challenge number one, I had to find my people. I couldn't do this alone. I'd learnt that from my decade of moderation. But I'd never actually talked about my problem because I was ashamed. Why couldn't I drink normally like other people? But the trouble with shame is that it isolates us. 
And for us women, I think there is a lot of shame around drinking, isn't there? I always feel like we have to walk a tightrope. If we don't drink, then we're not fun. But if we drink too much and get drunk, that's not cool either. So it's very difficult to navigate this relationship. But my attitude was, I got myself into this mess. I'm a strong person. I'll get myself out of it. And nobody needs to be any the wiser. But the trouble is it's almost impossible to change our drinking alone once we've crossed a line. I now understand that. And I understand that connection is the opposite of addiction. As my drinking progressed and I got to the stage where I could drink two bottles of wine and not feel very much at all, I finally accepted that I needed to put my pride to one side and connect with other people. I accepted that I had to get some help. I just couldn't cope with any more day ones. So of course I went along to AA as that was the only thing I knew about. And that proved to be just as awkward and embarrassing as I feared it would be. I tried really hard and went to several different meetings, but I really struggled to relate to the people there. Many of whom seemed to start drinking first thing in the morning. And that wasn't me. Well, not yet, anyway. I also found the 12 steps very rigid, and I couldn't seem to figure out who my higher power was. So I kept looking at options, and I finally found a workshop in London. And guess what? I found my people. Professional women like me who were putting away a bottle of wine every night and they knew they had to get off the slippery slope. At that workshop we learnt a bit about just how lethal alcohol is and picked up some useful techniques and tools to help us change our habits. But most importantly of all, I made valuable connections, valuable friendships there with other ladies on the workshop. We were all so relieved to meet each other that it wasn't just us that had this issue. We were all in the same boat. So we all swapped our numbers and we stayed in touch for months and months until we'd, most of us had managed to, to ditch the drink. And I'm actually in touch with some of those ladies still six years later. So returning to South Africa, I was sober and I decided to use my 25 years of training and development and coaching experience to create my own workshop to help other people do exactly what I've done. And that's how Tribe Sober was born. So I've tried to link a tip to every challenge. And my first tip is obviously find your people, find your tribe. You need to find people that are on the same path as you and people that you feel comfortable with. Challenge number two is keeping perspective. It takes confidence, courage and patience to ditch the drink. In my case, I've been drinking for decades, so I had to accept the fact that it was going to be a long haul that it would certainly get worse before it got better. During my corporate career, I'd actually run workshops for executives on managing change. And I'd always emphasised that it was a complex and difficult thing to do. And here I was, facing a huge lifestyle change and expecting things to fall in place quickly and easily. I was impatient to experience those benefits of sobriety that I was always reading about. After the first few months, I wasn't sleeping better, looking better, and I was certainly not filled with joy. But I did the work. I kept going. I was determined to do this thing. 
and I would complain endlessly to my sober buddies who empathised and helped me to stay on track. So now that I look back, I can see it took me a whole year to make the change. My challenge during that first year was simply to not drink. Just doing that one thing was really hard for the first six months, a little easier for the next six. The physical withdrawal symptoms were gone after a week, but the psychological withdrawal took much, much longer. I was dealing with sleeping problems, fatigue and mood swings. I had to relearn how to get through my life without a drink. So after a year of sobriety, I'd got the hang of the not drinking part, but now I had to go deeper. I had to learn to deal with my emotions. I had to practice gratitude and journal daily. I had to find hobbies, and most importantly of all, I had to stay connected with my sober tribe. After all, helping others and taking strength from their achievements is the biggest gift of all. So we need to remember that recovery takes time, and it's never linear. Like any major life change, you have to go through stages. We swing from denial to anxiety to happiness, that's the pink cloud, to fear, to guilt, and gradually to acceptance. And we learn how to embrace our alcohol-free lives and love them. And through all those emotions, we have to remember that we're making an investment, an investment in the rest of our lives. We're changing our future. So from that challenge, I've pulled out tip number two, which is keep your eye on the big picture. Keep perspective, stay strong, keep going, and you will get there. So challenge number three, I had to learn how to deal with my emotions. Like many drinkers, I was a hedonist. I was always after the buzz, the good times, and eager to avoid any difficult emotions. The trouble is, if you spent decades dodging your emotions, you never really learn to deal with them. So when we ditch the drink, they can actually overwhelm us. And that's when we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that was certainly a challenge for me. I had to learn to accept that actually we weren't put on earth to be happy 24-7 and accept that that only happens on the Instagram feeds. I had to learn that when I was miserable, I just had to sit with it. And gradually, I realised that sadness was just a transitory thing, just as happiness is. My emotions weren't going to kill me, but they were certainly uncomfortable. Journaling was a tool that helped me to process them, and gradually I realised that I could manage my emotions. Who knew? And of course, being able to share my ups and downs with my sober buddies was hugely helpful. I remember one of our groups spent her first few weeks of sobriety in floods of tears. Apart from my emotions, I also had to deal with the limiting beliefs that I'd been holding in my subconscious for years. For example, I'd always felt that I could never socialise without alcohol. So what did I do? What did I have to do? I had to get out there and socialise without alcohol again and again. And that was really uncomfortable. But gradually, over the months, it got better and better. And my subconscious finally accepted that, in fact, one could have fun and socialise without alcohol. So tip number three is one of our favourite tribe sober mantras. 
It comes from our lovely coach, Lynette. She always says, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And this is brilliant. The more that we are comfortable with being uncomfortable, the more that we are growing as humans and learning how to cope with all of our emotions. So tip number three, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. Now, challenge number four is dealing with anhedonia. If you don't know what anhedonia means, then don't worry, because I certainly didn't until a few months ago. But it is such a good description of what I had to go through a few months into sobriety. And in fact, this challenge nearly overwhelmed me and I almost gave up. I knew it would be hard for the first few weeks, but I was really expecting it to get easier. About a month in, I experienced the pink cloud and I felt great. I felt really pleased with myself for finally solving this problem. I really thought I had this thing nailed. But as I clocked up my first few months of sobriety, life felt a little flat. I seemed to have a lot of time on my hands, but I wasn't quite sure what to do with all this time. I felt like I was facing a void. No doubt my body was so used to sitting back and letting alcohol make me feel good that it had forgotten how to produce those feel-good hormones. I now know I was suffering from anhedonia, which is actually the inability to feel pleasure from anything. True, there were no massive lows or despair fests at 3am, but where were the highs? I was not expecting this and I started to panic. Was I going to live in this grey place for the rest of my life? As time went by, I kept hearing that everybody was so proud of me, so I felt I could never really admit my own moments of self-doubt. Those moments spent wondering if I'd done the right thing. What if I was wrong? What if I'd lost more than I'd gained? I hung in there mainly because I couldn't work out what else to do. Just as I'd been trapped in my drinking, I now seemed to have painted myself into a corner and felt equally trapped within sobriety. I was even blogging about my sobriety. Of course, I was beginning to experience the benefits of quitting alcohol, but somehow these weren't quite enough. But over the months, as I passed my six-month milestone, things very slowly got better. The mists began to clear and I could sense a whole new life on the horizon. Glimpses of a different life began to appear. And one day I realised that that little knot of anxiety that had resided in my stomach for decades had actually vanished. This gave me courage to try new things, meet new people and to start a new business. Just as my world had got smaller and smaller as my drinking got heavier, my world began to open I could feel my creativity and energy returning and I had moments of real joy. So tip number four, of course, is to be ready for the low and be ready for that anhedonia. I wasn't ready for it, so it knocked me for six and it nearly made me give up. So I think if we're prepared, then we can deal with things more easily. Challenge number five was I had to say goodbye to my best friend and that was difficult. Since I was a teenager, alcohol had been a constant in my life. For decades, I'd been able to turn to it for comfort. It had become my best friend, 
and now I'd lost it. I had to find a way to live without it. As I was celebrating my first year of sobriety, I decided to acknowledge that alcohol had been my lifelong friend and now it was gone. So I wrote a goodbye to alcohol letter, which was a powerful and cathartic experience. The idea behind goodbye letters is that alcohol is a bit like an abusive lover. It comes into your life, it causes trouble, you get rid of it, and then after a few months you miss it and it comes back again, and then you go into that cycle again and again. So just as with an abusive lover, we have to say goodbye finally, we have to say goodbye to alcohol. So writing this letter, I felt like I was drawing a line under my drinking years and moving into a completely different phase of my life. So let me read that letter to you. Dear alcohol, this is one of the hardest letters I've ever had to write. How can we possibly break up after 40 years together? My life has involved changing countries, changing jobs, even changing husbands and friends, but never changing you. You were always there as my constant companion. We met when I was still a teenager. You gave me the courage I needed to get through college and to make and sustain relationships. We had some wonderful times together. I flirted with drugs but stayed faithful to you. You were the best. You made me feel so special. You gave me confidence. I was still me, but just an amplified version. You helped me soothe the pain when things were not so good. Why suffer with difficult emotions when you were there to chase them away? As I entered my 20s, there were a few warning signs. Do you remember that time I got so hammered that I passed out in the bath and my flatmate had to ring the fire brigade to knock the door down? That was a great story to tell, especially the bit when I woke up in hospital with a shrink by my bedside. How we laughed at that one. You were there when I met my first husband, who also loved to drink, as did all our friends. I deserted you briefly when I became pregnant with my son, but I still remember how much I missed you and how happy I was when we were reunited to toast the baby's arrival. You never prevented me from succeeding in my career. Surrounded by heavy drinking colleagues, we all believed in work hard and play hard. Anyone missing the weekly drinking session was viewed with great suspicion and written off as boring. After more than 20 happy years together, trouble came when I married for the second time. For some inexplicable reason, my second husband hated you. He was jealous and resentful of the hold you had over me, and I realised that I would have to choose. Much to your fury, I chose him. He made me see that I was lost in you, and that you could even kill me. I went through breast cancer, but you convinced me you were innocent, and I needed you even more to dull the fear of dying. There followed a decade of trying to moderate. The thought of losing you completely was anathema to me, but surely we could all live together if you and I were to cool our relationship. This menage a trois worked for a while. For months at a time, we would all get along fine. And then you would suddenly exert your power and make sure that we had a crazy time together. Blackouts, injuries and terrible hangovers would follow and I would hate myself for giving in to you. You had become controlling and just wouldn't let me go. 
The push and pull was becoming too much to bear. I came to the jumping off place. Blackout followed blackout while my husband watched on helplessly. Sometimes I could easily drink a couple of bottles of wine and feel nothing at all. Other times I would feel quite drunk after just one glass. So on May the 23rd, 2015, I made my decision. I told you it was over. My heart was heavy, but you were ruining my life. I now know it's possible to live without you. How you struggled at first. Every day you harped on and on at me. I had no peace. You told me I would never survive a party or social event without you. Evenings at home without you were endless, painful and pointless. Socialising was difficult. I could not even get to sleep without you and lay awake for hours wondering if I'd done the right thing. Without you to encourage me, I felt depressed, angry and resentful of everyone still drinking. You told me I would never cope with the bad times without you. After all, what experience did I have of dealing with my emotions? How I miss the buzz, that beautiful high that came after a few glasses of wine, especially on an empty stomach. Never mind that after the high I would sometimes come crashing down and end up in tears. But I hung on in there, and very slowly I got better. Your voice became fainter, my friends stuck beside me, and of course my long-suffering husband was thrilled. I now realise that during all those years of trying to moderate our relationship was actually as strong as ever. Your hold on me was ever-present. You would allow me to cool it for a while, but then come storming back with a vengeance, causing havoc in my life. You were right, it was hard, and sometimes it still is. Looking back on my first year of sobriety, I still remember the dismal birthday, Christmas and New Year celebrations. How could I celebrate without you beside me? But I'm learning, and year two is going to be easier now that your power over me has diminished and I've experienced the joy of living without you. So thanks for the memories. I'll never forget you and often smile as I think back to those crazy times we had together. But it's time for me to try a new life now and for me to continue to live without you. Yours sincerely, Janet. So tip number five, draw a line under your drinking by writing a goodbye letter. Every Saturday afternoon, we open up our Tribe Sober Zoom Cafe. It's a safe space where our members can connect, check in, and just shoot the breeze about alcohol-free living. If you'd like to be a guest at the cafe one Saturday, just drop us an email at Janet at TribeSober.com. That's Janet, J-A-N-E-T, at TribeSober.com, and we'll send you an invitation. So challenge number six, I had to find my purpose. For one of our podcasts, I interviewed a guy called Adam Shabley. He's actually a weight loss coach, but our approach for helping people is quite similar and relies heavily on mindset. I'm aware that many people who lose a lot of weight actually put it back on again, and indeed many people who give up drinking relapse. I was discussing this fact with Adam and asked him for his view on why some people can maintain their weight loss whereas others just go back to square one. And his answer really got me thinking. He said the ones who keep the weight off 
are the ones who discovered a new purpose in their life. Because for some of his clients who'd lost a huge amount of weight, losing weight had created a sense of purpose. They'd been so focused on their goal weight for months and months and they'd been determined to succeed. But however, for some of them, once they hit that goal weight, there was a feeling of anticlimax, a bit of a letdown. They felt, oh, okay, so this is it. And some of the people who felt that way lost their motivation and started eating again. They'd lost their sense of purpose. Subconsciously, perhaps they were thinking, oh, well, I'll just get fat again and then that'll give me a purpose to lose it all. But that's a bit of a sad cycle to be stuck in. But some of Adam's clients had actually taken up new interests, retrained in a new career, gone traveling. Some of them had even become weight loss coaches because they wanted to help others do what they'd done. But those people all had purpose, and that's why the weight stayed off. And it's exactly the same with sobriety. One of my favorite quotes by the inspirational Viktor Frankl is about purpose. And he says, Life is not primarily a quest for pleasure, as Freud believed, or a quest for power, as Adler taught, but it's actually a quest for meaning. The greatest task for any person is to find meaning and purpose in their life. So once we are alcohol-free, we discover our energy and creativity. We're in a good place to start looking for more meaning and purpose in our lives. For me, setting up Tribe Sober and helping hundreds of people to quit drinking has certainly given me a real sense of purpose and a passion. So tip number six is find your purpose. So let me wrap this up now by reminding you of those six tips. Let me summarize and also mention how Tribe Sober can help you with each of those challenges if you feel like you need some support. So tip number one, find your people, find your tribe. Of course, we're recommending that you join our tribe. Our tribe is amazing. It comprises of sober people, people who are struggling, brand new people, and everybody is encouraging and supporting each other to stay on track. So just go to tribesober.com and click on join our tribe and you can read about the benefits of membership there. Tip number two, keep your eye on the big picture. Keep perspective. Our experience is that for most people, it's quite a tough first six months and then things will get easier. And whatever you do, don't give up if you have a slip up one day. Just get right back on the bus. And we have a nice little tool to help you to keep your eye on the big picture. It's just an annual tracker where you colour in your alcohol-free days And on that one sheet of paper, you can look at all your sober stretches and think, okay, you know, I had a little slip up there, but then I went on to have uh, a whole two months of sobriety. So it's the big picture that matters. As long as you're working your way towards an alcohol-free life, then you're on track. Tip number three is our Tribe Sober Mantra. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Explore what your limiting beliefs around alcohol are and do some work so that you can overturn those beliefs. Read Annie Grace's book, The Naked Mind. Come to a workshop. We deal with limiting beliefs on the workshop. Get some hypnotherapy. If you heard last week's podcast, you will have heard Belinda talking about how she can work with people by talking to their subconscious and working on those limiting beliefs. Tip number four. 
be ready for the low, be ready for anhedonia. And we've got a Facebook Live on dealing with anhedonia, the different techniques that you can do to lessen this anhedonia. So it's on our YouTube channel, Tribe Sober YouTube channel, and you'll, you'll see it there. It's Facebook Live with Lynette, our coach, talking about anhedonia. Tip number five, write a goodbye to alcohol letter. We now recommend that our members write their goodbye letter as part of their journey to sobriety. There's no right time to do it. Some people do it on day one. I did mine after a year of sobriety because it felt good for me to write it at that period. You can read our collection of goodbye letters on our website, tribesober.com. Just hit the inspiration tab. If you're ready to write your goodbye letter, then just send it to janet at tribesober.com and we'd love to publish it. Tip number six, find your purpose. If you're struggling with this one, then you may need some coaching. Your coach is your thinking partner. You'll be amazed at the quality of your thinking and ideas once you're sitting with a coach and she or he is listening to you actively for a whole hour and reflecting back and summarising your thoughts. It's a very powerful process. You can again go to tribesober.com and hit recovery coaching and you'll find some information there. So that's it from me. I do hope you found some useful tips there. I'm off to celebrate my soberversary with a nice alcohol-free lunch and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening and don't forget to follow and share. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.